Hey, everybody, and welcome into episode 65 of Jake's Take. I am Jake Heller, pleased to be joining you guys once again. Hope everybody is having an awesome Saturday. So much to cover on today's show, as always, but then again, that's nothing new. Going to be recapping NASCAR's returns to Mid-Ohio and Sonoma Raceway this past weekend. And going to be previewing All-Star Weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. It kicks off later today. Doubleheader for NASCAR's top two minor league divisions with the Camping World Trek Series at 1 o'clock and the NASCAR Xfinity Series at 4 o'clock. And then tomorrow, 6 o'clock on Fox Sports 1, the All-Star Open. And then 8 o'clock on Fox Sports 1, the 37th edition of NASCAR's All-Star Race. So obviously going to be explaining the... Very confusing rules, I guess you could say, for the All-Star Race. Going to try to dive into that. And obviously going to give my picks for the Truck Race, Xfinity Race, the All-Star Open, the All-Star Race, and of course the Fan Vote. Can't forget about that. And also we have the latest with the Brad Keselowski and Roger Penske saga. Roger talked to the media yesterday at Detroit as the IndyCar Series is getting ready for their doubleheader this weekend, today and tomorrow. And Jeff Gordon. Is tomorrow night his last race for NASCAR on Fox? I will explain that. And the GOAT, Michael Jordan, made an appearance last Sunday at Sonoma Raceway. And some people are wondering, it was probably just more than seeing Bubba Wallace race. A lot of people were wondering if it was a recruitment trip to possibly get Kurt Busch over to 23XI in 2022, like the rumors have been floating around for the past two weeks. Only time will tell. Anyway, let's get into it. This past Saturday, 1 o'clock on Fox Sports 1, the NASCAR Xfinity Series got underway at Mid-Ohio after the race was canned last year because of the pandemic. Austin Sendrick and Ty Gibbs on the front row, the two guys that duked it out at the Daytona Road Course back in February. And I guess the one constant theme for 2021 has just been the bad luck that Noah Gregson has had. And sure enough, it carried over this past Saturday. Lap 1. The whole front end getting ripped off of the car after he went off the track. Not a single lap in the books for Noah Gregson, Dave Ellens, and the nine team. And that's now six DNFs in 13 races, over 50%. And when you think of it, it could be seven out of 13. Because remember, when Noah finished fourth in the NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Darlington, Mother's Day weekend, and the car failed post-race inspection, and he was disqualified. But... Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kelly Earnhardt Miller, sure enough, they appealed it. And the appeal was overturned. Noah was reinstated his fourth-place finish and also given back the $100,000 Dash for Cash bonus, one of many that he won in 2021. But I think the biggest thing with Noah, I know the, the biggest knock on him so far throughout his career has been sort of his lack of immaturity, I guess you could say, or his lack of maturity, excuse me. And we've seen it so many times, and I mean, especially this year at Homestead Miami Speedway when he was just two or three laps away from winning the race, and you called David Starr a dipshit on national television, um, you know, even though he blew a tire and had no intentions of taking you out. But I thought that Noah composed himself very well on Saturday, and of course, very, very savvy how he got in all of his sponsors, you know, Bass Pro Shops, True Timber, Black Rifle Coffee, how he sort of tied all of them in together. And then how he said that he wanted to go drink White Claws and watch the end of the race with the fans. So, personally, I I feel like he handled it as best as he could. But it was definitely a difficult day for Junior Motorsports this past Saturday at Mid-Ohio for an organization that has had so much momentum on their side. And Justin Allgaier, I mean, he who arguably has been carrying the banner for junior motorsports the past five years ever since he he joined there in 2016 he finished fifth in the first stage but they had a seal break on the car he had to go behind the wall and he finished 11 laps down in 35th but sure enough to no surprise austin sendrick aj allmendinger ty gibbs i expected those three to be the guys to beat this past saturday at mid-ohio And Austin Sendrick, he led the first 14 laps. And, of course, I loved all the different strategies that we had this this past Saturday at Mid-Ohio. And Tommy Joe Martins, that's another – I was going to say that was another situation, the little family team that could. I know they've had a string of bad luck lately, having the engine break just seven laps in. And Harrison Burton, somewhat of a sophomore slump, I guess you could say, 
four wins last year, but same situation as Noah Gregson going off the track. Whole front end gets ripped off of the car, and he finishes in 38th. But stage one, sure enough, went to Jason Boone's pick, A.J. Allmendinger. And, I mean, Ty Gibbs, what else can you say about this kid? I mean, he just continues to impress me. And no matter, and everyone says, oh, it's Gibbs equipment, but man, I mean, no matter what track they go to, whether it's a road course like Daytona or Mid-Ohio, a short track like Martinsville or Phoenix or Dover, I mean, he just continues to impress. And he led 16 laps this past Saturday. But sure enough, the different strategies that we had, Justin Moneymaker Haley winning stage two, obviously trying to make up some points after missing the May 15th race at Dover because of COVID protocols. But nevertheless, it definitely seemed like Saturday that it was Austin Cindric's race to lose. And sure enough, with <laughs> five laps to go this past Saturday, Jeb Burton, talking about the colleague cards, cars, Jeb Burton goes off the track into the gravel trap at turn four. That draws a caution. Then, of course, all the Penske lovers and Austin Cindric fans, you know, they're, they were crying conspiracy, saying that, you know, he did it just so A.J. Allmendinger and Justin Haley so they could have a shot at Austin Cindric. But I'll tell you what, that was a badass restart by A.J. Allmendinger this past Saturday. Three wide going into turn one. Him, Austin Sendrick, and Ty Gibbs, and then Austin Sendrick subsequently getting spun out. Sort of, you know, Justin Haley sort of getting into him and everything. And then, of course, more chaos that ensued towards the back of the pack with Chris Wright, Alex LeBay, and Kyle Weatherman. A couple guys that were in <laughs> Boone's DFS lineup this past Saturday. And, you know, Chris, I mean, Chris Wright, his day was done right then and there, but Alex LeBay. I'll tell you what, that kid does an amazing job on road courses like I expected. I mean, he still rallied back to finish 11th. And, of course, Daniel Hamrick. I mean, man, when is the luck going to turn around? Sure enough, having a flat left rear tire this past Saturday, having to sell for a 12th place finish. I mean, you just can't help but feel for the guy and wonder, like, when will that luck turn around? But A.J. Allmendinger, the comeback continues. His second win of the season and the second time in his career that he's won in the NASCAR Xfinity Series at Mid-Ohio. And he said it himself, their call, Matt Colleague, their car owner, talking about him, Justin Haley, Jeb Burton. Matt Colleague is from Ohio. So Mid-Ohio is basically his Daytona 500. And for A.J. Allmendinger to win on Saturday and for Justin Haley to come in second, I mean, can't, can't get any better than that. I mean, obviously, you know, Jeb Burton, he had trouble there at the end, but he, I mean, he finished 16th. So taking a look at the rundown this past Saturday at Mid-Ohio, as I said, A.J. Allmendinger and Justin Moneymaker Haley won two for their car owner Matt Colleague at his home track. Ty Gibbs, an amazing job once again, third place, just one day after winning the ARCA race at Mid-Ohio. Teammate Brandon Jones was fourth, and Andy Lally, road race ace that he is top five finish, and of course, Talking about junior motorsports and everything, Miguel Paluto. Miguel Paluto was in the eight car instead of Josh Berry, given his sponsorship with Brant and his road racing background. And Miguel was doing an amazing job on Saturday. And he was running fourth when they took the white flag. And, of course, Riley Herbst being Riley Herbst just punted him and spun him off the track for no reason whatsoever. But you know what? Andy Lally, I mean, he's, he's almost 50 years old. He's been racing road courses all over the country. He he didn't want any part of Riley Herbst's crap either, and he spun him out last lap of the race, and Riley fin- had to settle for a 21st place finish. Miguel Paluto, 27th, after that all went down. Brandon Brown, <laughs> did y'all see that video that he made the other day, acting like a used car's, car salesman, saying that you know this much space on his car was for sale? That little team out of Virginia, they continue to impress me. Sixth place finish. Michael Annette, highest finishing junior motorsports car in seventh. And Josh Berry, driving the 31 car for Jordan Anderson, his first time to mid-Ohio. Josh started 31st, went off into the gravel trap at one point, and he rallied all the way back to finish eighth. This kid is a freaking wheel man, and he deserves a full-time ride, competitive full-time ride for that matter. Ryan Sieg, he was ninth. Josh Williams, much needed top ten after missing the race at Charlotte. 
Alex LeBay, Daniel Hemrick, Jade Buford, Austin Cindric 14th after leading 30 laps on Saturday. Cody Ware, I know that he had an incident during the race as well. Jeb Burton, 16th. Gray Galding, 17th, his best finish of the season so far. Ryan Vargas, Matt Jaskell, Landon Castle, that was your top 20. And then Riley Herbst, Colby Howard, Matt Mills, Jesse Little, Preston Pardis, Kyle Weatherman, Miguel Polito. Like I said, those three had good runs going towards the end before things just sort of unraveled. Ryan Ellis, 28th. Myatt Snyder, 29th. I know he said that he he's just waiting for the luck to turn around for them. Joe Graff Jr. in 30th. Brett Moffitt. Brett Moffitt was running second at one point and ran out of fuel. Chris Wright, 32nd. Jeremy Clemens, 33rd. They've been on a bit of a roll lately, but had some mechanical issues th- this past Saturday. Jeffrey Earnhardt, 34th. He had mechanical issues as well, and he even said himself he's wondering when his <clears throat> luck is going to turn around. And rounding out the field was his uncle's driver, Justin Allgaier in 35th, David Starr in 36th, Bailey Curry, 37th, and Harrison Burton, Tommy Joe Martins, and Noah Gregson. That was the field of 40 this past Saturday at Mid-Ohio. So when they were in the media center on Saturday, Matt Colleague said that sure enough, they will be running a NASCAR Cup Series team full-time next year. And Jenna Fryer from the Associated Press tweeted that they will run one cup car and A.J. Allmendinger joked that he meant I'm going to drive the truck to the track. And Matt Colleague said that they're still working on some things, nothing to report as far as a charter. But he said that A.J. Allmendinger, he's expected to do some cup races next year, probably the road courses like he always does. And I would probably say that the other two candidates for the, the Colleague Cup car, the number 16 Chevrolet, it would definitely have to be Justin Moneymaker Haley, and it would definitely have to be Kaz Grala. I mean, Kaz Grala finished sixth at Talladega just two months ago so definitely definitely exciting to see a new but competitive team that will be joining the nascar cup series in 2022 so later today as i mentioned we have a double header for nascar's top two minor league divisions one o'clock the nascar camping world truck series on fox sports one vince welch will be providing the call and guess who's going to be in the booth for the truck race at 1 o'clock and the NASCAR Xfinity race at 4 o'clock. Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano. (laughs) Cue it up right now. Jerry, 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 Jerry. Obviously, we all know the situation. Brad Keselowski and Team Penske, the impending divorce that is about to come. Yesterday at Detroit... Roger Penske, obviously being the president of IndyCar now, he met with some of the media and was asked about Brad Keselowski's contract for this year and the plans for next year. And Roger said, we have a contract with him for the rest of the season. First off, Roger, he has a name, okay? Show him some damn respect instead of just referring to to him as him. And he said, anything he's going to do or we're, we're going to do will make announcements properly at the right time. Folks, look, there's no other way around it. He can sugarcoat it all he wants. Brad Keselowski's out out at Team Penske after 2021, okay? Just come clean, put out the press release, say that you and Brad are going your separate ways after 2021, and that's it. You know, I was interacting with a fan on Twitter yesterday, and they said that this not being officially announced – it is the worst-kept secret in the garage area. I mean, you could make the argument probably the worst-kept secret in the garage area since Dale Jr. back in 2007 before it was announced that he was going to leave Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. But anyway, the, cre- the questions continued, and Roger Penske was asked, will Austin Cindric be in the 21 car next year? And he said, I don't know. And then he was asked if Matt DiBenedetto could possibly return to the 21 next year. Obviously, there's some talk with Brad Keselowski expecting to leave and go over to Rash Fenway Racing, become an owner, and take over the six car. There's the the number one scenario I've heard is sliding Austin Sindrick into the two car, the flagship car for Team Penske, and keeping Matt DiBenedetto in the 21 car. Obviously, the announcement last October that Austin Sindrick was going to be taking over the 21 Wood Brothers car in 2022, basically a fourth Penske car. 
So Roger Penske was asked, can Matt Benedetto possibly return to the 21 next year? And Roger said, for me to discuss drivers, what is it, June or July? First off, Roger, it's freaking June, okay? Get with the program. <sighs> it's June. He said, the season isn't over yet. We haven't made any permanent decisions on drivers. There's a lot of moving parts. You know, this is the biggest load of BS I've ever heard in my life. It's probably been known for months that, that Brad Keselowski is not going to be back with Team Penske, and yet you continue to drag his name through the mud and not even refer to him at, with his name, just him. We have a contract with him. Like I said, blatant disrespect once again by Roger Penske. But anyway, so the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, 1 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. And John Hunter Nemechek on the pole, obviously three wins on the season, Las Vegas and Richmond where he held off the boss, Kyle Busch. And then Memorial Day weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And John Hunter yesterday turned 24 years old. And it was announced that he will be driving the Joe Gibbs number 54 NASCAR Xfinity Series car for three races later this year. September at Bristol. My birthday at Texas Motor Speedway, and the season finale November 6th at Phoenix, probably the way things are going, the night after he'll win the Truck Series Championship. But John Hunter Nemechek and Ben Rhodes, the two winningest drivers on the season, as far as the regulars go, they're on the front row. Carson Hosevar, that kid continues to impress me. Finished second at Charlotte. He's going to be starting third. Todd Gillen, our winner at Coda, starting fourth. Austin Hill, fifth. Stuart Friesen, 6th. Zane Smith and Chandler Smith, 7th and 8th. Zane Smith had a birthday the other day, turning 22, and his girlfriend actually won the, the better half iRacing Dash the other night on Fox Sports 1. But they will be starting 7th and 8th. Derek Krause, ninth, And Drew Dollar in the 51 truck for Kyle Busch. Tyler Ankrum in 11th. Starting to have a little bit of momentum on his side, as well as Haley Deegan. Haley Deegan is starting 12th. Starting to rack up some top 15s, getting close to that first top 10 in the truck series. Austin Wayne Stolf in 13th. Ryan Truex in 14th. Matt Crafton had a birthday yesterday as well. Turning 45 years old, he's starting 15th. Two truck wins at Texas Motor Speedway. Sheldon Creed, who won at Texas Motor Speedway last October on his way to the championship. He's starting 16th. Johnny Sauter, tons of wins at Texas Motor Speedway. In 17th, Grant Enfinger back in the 98 truck for today. Chris Wright, Tanner Gray, Corey Roper. And starting 22nd is one Chase Elliott in the 24 truck once again for GMS. They did announce that Jack Wood, who drove the 24 truck at Charlotte, that starting next weekend at Nashville, he will be taking over that truck permanently. Obviously, Rafael Lassard parting ways with the team after the Richmond race because of some sponsorship issues. Dawson Cram in 23rd, Ross Chastain in 24th, and Ross back in the 45 with Al Nice. Tyler Hill, Timmy's younger brother in 25th, Spencer Boyd 26th, Brennan Poole making his return to the truck series in 27th after dealing with some injuries this past offseason, Chase Purdy in 28th. Jesse Awuji, 29th. Jordan Anderson, double duty for him today. The three truck, he's starting 30th, and he finally gets to drive his number 31 Xfinity car later on today. Tate Fogelman in 31st. Jennifer Jo Cobb, another birthday. She turns 48 today. She's starting 32nd. And the new super sub of NASCAR, Josh Berry, driving the 25 truck, Timothy Peters, he parted ways with that team after the Charlotte race. Josh Berry will be driving the 25 truck for the next three truck races. This one next Friday at Nashville and June 26th at Pocono. Me and Jason Boone, we will be there for that. Keith McGee in 34th. Norm Benning in 35th. And Ray Siccarelli rounding out the field in 36th. So 147 laps for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series today. Stage 1, lap 35. Stage 2, lap 70. Jason Boone, he went with the hot hand, John Hunter Nemechek. And, I mean, obviously, how can you not? As dominant as he has been this year, but especially on the mile-and-a-half tracks. But me, I have I had to be Captain freaking obvious, <laughs> you know. And I went with the number 24 of Chase Elliott. 
Now, Chase, obviously, this is going to be, as far as I know, his only truck race of 2021. But sure enough, the GMS 24 truck, he did win in the truck last May at Charlotte Motor Speedway when they had that little bounty for all the cup drivers. You know, can you get in a truck and can you beat Kyle Busch straight up? Sure enough, he did it. So there we go. Jason Boone taking the number four, John Hunter Nemechek, me taking the 24 of Chase Elliott. So then, 4 o'clock on Fox Sports 1, once again, Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano in the booth together with Adam Alexander this time. 167 laps for the NASCAR Xfinity Series today at Texas Motor Speedway. It's usually been a 200-lap race, but stage 1, lap 40, stage 2, lap 80. And sure enough, we have the colleague teammates on the front row, A.J. Allmendinger and Justin Moneymaker Haley. Brandon Jones, he will be starting third. Austin Sendrick, the defending winner of this race, after Kyle Busch was disqualified in this race last year, Austin will be starting fourth. Daniel Hemrick, once again, is today the day. We'll find out. He's starting fifth. Michael Annette, sixth. Brandon Brown, seventh. Jeb Burton, eighth. Ryan Sieg, ninth. And Alex LeBay rounding out the top ten. Eleventh is Josh Williams. Twelfth is Riley Herbst. 13th is Jade Buford, and 14th is Kyle Busch, the king of the Xfinity Series in this beautiful number 54 Twix Toyota. And we know the deal here. Kyle Busch, this is his second of five Xfinity Series starts on the year that he's allowed. He won at Circuit of the Americas a couple weeks ago. That was the 98th win of his career in the Xfinity Series. And as we know, Kyle Busch said, Once he gets to 100 wins in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, he will retire from the NASCAR Xfinity Series. So, nine Xfinity wins at Texas Motor Speedway. would have been 10 if he wasn't disqualified July of last year. Ryan Vargas in 15th. Justin Allgaier, 16th, showed a lot of speed in this race last year, but had a penalty. Mike Snyder in 17th. Harrison Burton, who won the October Xfinity race here last year in 18th. Brett Moffat, 19th. Jeremy Clements in 20th. Tanner Berryhill, 21st, Landon Castle, 22nd, Gray Galding, Matt Mills, Jesse Little, Colby Howard, Garrett Smithley, Josh Berry. This is his penultimate start in the number eight car for Junior Motorsports. He'll be in it next weekend at Nashville. But as we know, Sam Mayer, he turns 18 on June 26th, and he will make his NASCAR Xfinity Series debut on June 27th at Pocono Raceway. Me and Danny Williams, we will be there for that in the second Cup race of the weekend for NASCAR's doubleheader at Pocono. Kyle Weatherman in 29th. Noah Gregson all the way back in 30th. Of course, who can forget last year at Texas Motor Speedway, just one corner away from winning the race, and he slips up. And Harrison Burton's there to take advantage, and that ended up costing Noah a spot in the championship four. David Starr, home race for him. He'll start 31st. Jordan Anderson finally gets to drive for his NASCAR Xfinity Series team this year, starting in 32nd. Jeffrey Earnhardt, 33rd, at the site of the first NASCAR Bush Series win and the first NASCAR Winston Cup Series win for his uncle, Dale Earnhardt Jr. It came at Texas Motor Speedway, 1998 and 2000, respectively. Brandon Godovic in 34th, Joe Graff Jr., 35th, Tommy Joe Martins, 36th. Stephen Parsons, Ronnie Bassett Jr., his first start of the year in 38th, Bailey Curry, 39th, and Matt Jaskell rounding out the field in 40th. So me and Jason Boone, we definitely had to be Captain Obvious with our picks here. <laughs> you know, a lot of times, a lot of times, both of us, I mean, when it was Circuit of the Americas, I went with Austin Cendrick just because of his background in road racing. And earlier this year, I was bold enough to pick John Hunter Nemechek for the truck race at Atlanta. Well, sure enough, Kyle Busch won the truck race at Atlanta. He won the Xfinity race at Circuit of the Americas. I'm not going to make that mistake once again. Sure enough, myself and Jason Boone, we are both taking the number 54 of Kyle Busch in today's NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Texas Motor Speedway. And the thing is, so episode 66 of Jake's Take, it'll be out sometime next Friday. And the fact that Kyle Busch is in the NASCAR Xfinity Series race next weekend at Nashville, 
is it even is it even worth previewing? Obviously, I'm going to pick him for the for the Xfinity race next weekend in Nashville, and that could be the 100th NASCAR Xfinity Series win for Kyle Busch. But knowing him, he'll definitely finish out those two races that he still has. Road America, 4th of July weekend, and then Atlanta, July 10th. Who knows? That could be the last time we ever see Kyle Busch in an Xfinity car. So, obviously, I got to go with, with Kyle Busch. I could see it being just like last year, coming down to him and Austin Sendrick. I could see Justin Allgaier being a factor at some point. And I think a lot of the Gibbs cars, Daniel Hemrick, Brandon Jones, Harrison Burton, I mean, the Gibbs cars have always been fantastic at Texas Motor Speedway in the Xfinity Series. So I think it's definitely going to come down to them. I know that A.J. Allmendinger and colleague, I know that they won the Xfinity race at Las Vegas earlier this year, mile-and-a-half track. But, yeah, I got to go with Kyle Busch on this one. So this past Sunday at Sonoma Raceway, Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott on the front row. And I thought for sure that it was going to be a runaway by Chase Elliott in the nine car. But I guess I picked the wrong Hendrick car. (laughs) What an amazing day for Kyle Larson, Cliff Daniels, and that five team. And sure enough, Kyle, he led the first nine laps. He hit pit road right before the competition caution. And you had guys like Denny Hamlin, you know, he stayed out. And then he made his pit stop under the caution flag. And sure enough, it got Kyle Larson right back to the lead. And he went on to win the first stage. And I think what was amazing with that is so many times at road courses, we see guys pit before the end of a stage. You know, once the caution comes out, they stay out. They regain all their track position. And guys that win stages, you know, they come in, but they lose all that track position. And next thing you know, you're you're struggling around 10th to 15th. We saw it happen to Justin Haley at Circuit of the Americas where he wins the second stage, he he comes in and pits, and he's barely running inside the top ten the rest of the race. But, you know, Kyle Larson and, and Cliff Daniels, I mean, this was the first time ever that somebody won all three stages at Sonoma. I know Chase Elliott did it at Watkins Glen in 2019. I mean, it's just remarkable what is going on right now with that five team, especially with Kyle Larson after, I mean, let's face it, he – sat out 32 races last year when he was indefinitely suspended. But, I mean, to no surprise, I mean, all the Hendrick cars look strong. Him, Chase Elliott, William Byron, Alex Bowman, and, of course, all the Hendrick-affiliated cars, or Hendrick-engine-affiliated cars, I guess you could say, with Kurt Busch and Ross Chastain. I mean, they badly needed good runs on Sunday, especially Kurt having to start all the way back in 30th. But Ricky Stenhouse Jr., talking about, Hendrick related engines. I mean, his struggles on road courses, they just continue. And Ricky had a tire blow and he hit the wall going down up the hill in the turn one, knocked that wall back a couple inches and everything. I mean, his day was done and he was the first car out of the race. But I think the amazing thing with Sonoma was it did not disappoint for action. I mean, when they ran here two years ago, there was hardly any action, even with the 750 horsepower package but it was the high downforce package not the low downforce package and martin trex jr and kyle bush they finished one two and ryan blaney was third in that race and he finished 30 seconds behind them it was it was like a formula one race i mean i even went to a yankees game that day because i had a feeling it was going to be boring and when i came home that night i passed out after the first stage but this was definitely one of the best sonoma races that that i've seen in quite a while because i know the argument has been that you know stage racing has sort of has sort of destroyed Sonoma and road courses in general but I mean we did not disappoint as far as action this past Sunday and of course the one thing with Brad Keselowski and the two team they showed a lot of speed on Sunday they really really did and they finished eighth in the second stage but they had a top five car most of the day hovering around fourth and fifth and that was a brilliant, and I mean brilliant strategy that Jeremy Bullens had to bring Brad Keselowski in as Quinn Huff stalled on the racetrack up in turn six. Because they knew the caution flag was going to come out. And myself, Jason Boone, Josh Manley, you know, we're all thinking like, man, Brad's going to be in the catbird seat. Who knows if he's going to be able to hold off Larson and Chase, but, you know, he should be able to get like a top three or a top five out of it. And wouldn't you freaking know it, the two crew once again 
shoots themselves in the foot. Equipment over the wall too soon. Are you freaking kidding me? So here's Brad, who's busted his ass off all day long. Here's Jeremy Bollins that has one of the most brilliant strategies of the year. And once again, just like Phoenix in the championship race, and just like Phoenix this past March, once again, the pit crew fails Brad Keselowski, especially right now when you have all these rumors about him leaving. I mean, enough is enough at this point. And like like I said before, you make a grand total of two changes to the pit crew when they cost you the freaking championship last year. I mean, this is just unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. But, you know, I mean, it just, like I said, blatant disrespect by Roger Penske. It just shows that he doesn't care about Brad Keselowski anymore. He is at the bottom of his priority list as far as NASCAR goes. And, I mean, think about this. This is now five consecutive races without a top ten finish. Darlington and Dover, where you had the leadership of Grant Hutchins guide you to 24th and 16th place finishes. Circuit of the Americas, they were slow all weekend. Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte. Barely, barely ran in the top 15 most of the night. One time, the pit crew losing in five spots. I mean, it's, like I said, lame duck season. And the best that Brad was able to do after that was get all the way back up to 15th. But the GOAT himself, Michael Jordan, was at Sonoma. And Bubba Wallace, I mean, he had a top 10 car, but had a flat tire and had to had to recover from that. And he drove all the way up to finish 14th. So, Bubba and the 23 team, they're starting, they're starting to show improvement. They're starting to show their potential. They just need to minimize these mistakes that they've been making time and time again. I mean, obviously a flat tire, you know, it's something that's out of your control. But the Coca-Cola 600, they had a top 10 car and they screwed up on the last pit stop. Equipment over the wall too soon. But, you know, obviously if Michael Jordan was there, besides watching Bubba, if he was there to recruit Kyle Butt or Kurt Busch over to 23X. I can you picture that. Kurt Busch put on a remarkable drive, eighth in stage one, fourth in stage two, and he finished sixth. And that's Kurt's first top 10 since he finished eighth at Homestead, Miami on February 28th. One top five, fourth on the, on the Daytona road course, three top tens on the year. I mean, this is definitely, you can make the argument, this has definitely been one of the, one of the tougher seasons in Kurt Busch's 20-year NASCAR Cup Series career. And if, if he does end up leaving Ganassi, that will be a huge, I mean, huge hole for them, an, imposs- an impossible shoes to fill. But his teammate, Ross Chastain, I'll tell you what, the other one that really impressed me on Sunday was Corey LaJoy in that seven car. Spire, they have that technical alliance with Hendrick getting the race cars and the engines. Corey LaJoy had a top 10 car on Sunday, and he was running inside the top 10 towards the end. And here we were with about 12 laps to go. He took a wide, wide arc into that hairpin going down in a turn 11. And, you know, obviously Ross Chastain was going to stick his nose in there, and he spins out, and then all hell breaks loose. Kevin Harvick, William Byron, Alex Bowman. And I know that I've been praising Alex Bowman the past few weeks, but Alex Bowman drove like a freaking weapon last Sunday at Sonoma. I mean, I lost count of how many cars that he body slammed into on Sunday. But obviously, like I said, William Byron, it did enough damage. It knocked the radiator out. And it was his first DNF of the year in 35th. And Kevin Harvick, the struggles continue. Hood all caved in. He finished 22nd. Christopher Bell, he had an up-and-down day, 24th. And like I said, Corey LaJoy was having an amazing race. But the the one thing with Ross Chastain was as soon as that wreck happened, he cut the track, drove right back up on the track, actually gained a few spots, and NASCAR didn't penalize him for it. And he was able to finish 7th. I mean, that was definitely a sketchy call in itself. But Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott, I mean, those two, talk about the future being bright for Hendrick Motorsports. I mean, really, with all four of them, Larson, Elliott, William Byron, I know that he had some trouble on Sunday. And even Alex Bowman, you know, there's talk that he's going to get that contract extension with Hendrick sooner or later, you know. But sure enough, we were not done wrecking at, at Sonoma. And Matt DiBenedetto had enough of Ryan Priest and dumped him in turn eight. 
And then Ryan pops back up on the track right into Cody Ware and pretty much ruined his race. I know people get on Cody Ware, you know, oh, he's a moving chicane. You know, he wrecks like three or four times a race. But this this case, there was nothing that Cody could do. I mean, that was definitely a boneheaded move by Ryan Priest just popping back up on the track right into Cody's path. And he had nothing to do. Nothing that he could do there. And like I said, we were not done wrecking. The other one I felt bad for was Anthony Alfredo. Anthony was without his crew chief. He got ejected for failing pre-race inspection. He's running inside the top 10. And <laughs> Alex Bowman rams into him and ruins his day, ruins Christopher Bell's day. Ryan Blaney, I mean, he already had damage to begin with. And Ryan was complaining about the way that Brad was racing him and holding him up earlier. So like I said, I... <laughs> I guess that's not one but two Penske drivers that, that have shown their their <laughs> their respect for Brad after he got them their jobs there. Anyway, so that set up a green-white checkered finish. But, man, Chase Elliott, as much of a, the road course king that he is, he just didn't have anything for his teammate Kyle Larson, who goes on to win at his home track for the first time in his career by six-tenths of a second over teammate Chase Elliott. Kyle Larson now tied with Martin Trex Jr. for the most wins on the year with three. And this was the ninth win of Kyle Larson's career, his first road course win, which is amazing because even though it's the five, it's the old 48 team. And Jimmy Johnson, as dominant as he was, he only won one road course race in his career, and that was at Sonoma in 2010. So Kyle Larson, the winner, Chase Elliott second, Martin Trex Jr. in third after some pretty rough few weeks, Dover, Coda, and the 600. Joey Logano finished fourth, then the two, the two Bush brothers, Kyle and Kurt, fifth and sixth. Teammate Ross Chastain in seventh. His season is really, really starting to turn around. Denny Hamlin, eighth. Alex Bowman, ninth. And Ryan Blaney rounding out the top ten. Eric Jones, 11th in that 43 car, and Daniel Suarez in 12th. And, of course, the other thing was Michael McDowell. I mean, Michael had a, a, another top ten run going. But it was one of those situations. He got ran off the road, and right at the very last corner at the hairpin, Suarez just dumped him. Dumped him. And obviously, there's been a lot of bad blood with those two. I mean, remember at Phoenix in 2019 during qualifying where they were arguing on pit road, but take your helmets off, guys, if you want to argue. Austin Dillon, by far his best finish on a road course in 13th. Bubba Wallace, 14th. Brad Keselowski, 15th after the equipment over the wall penalty, but his future teammate, Chris Buescher, 16th after running inside the top 10 most of the day. Chase Briscoe in 17th after, I mean, after winning the West race the day before. Corey LaJoy, 18th. Tyler Reddick, 19th. I was going to say that was another car that Alex Bowman ran into on Sunday. He had a tire rub and had a pit. Otherwise, Tyler probably would have had another top 10 finish. Cole Custer in 20th. Ryan Priest, 21st, Kevin Harvick, 22nd, Matt DiBenedetto, Christopher Bell, then two road racing aces, James Davison, Scott Heckert, Eric Almarola, 27th. Another, like I said, I think his time at Stuart Haas Racing is definitely coming to an end. Michael McDowell in 28th, Josh Balicki, 29th, Ben Rhodes, his NASCAR Cup Series debut in 30th, and you know, I told Boone, I've been critical of Ben Rhodes over the years, but I said, man, all he's got to do is just run all the laps and gain the respect of these cup drivers. And I felt like he did a very, very good job on Sunday for his first time in a cup car. And obviously he, he wasn't aggressive. I mean, he, he wasn't overzealous like we've seen him sometimes in these truck races. And Anthony Alfredo, like I said, had a, had a top 10 run going, 31st. Garrett Smithley, 32nd. Ryan Newman, 33rd, getting spun at the last corner. Last car in the lead lap. And the four cars that were out of the race, Cody Ware, William Byron, Quinn Huff, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Now, Bob Pockers from Fox Sports said that <laughs> he posed the question on Sunday night. He said, is Kyle Larson the new road course king? And Bob... I'm not trying to be a smartass or anything, but I have never heard such an overreaction in my life. Okay? You're meaning to tell me that after one one race, not only was this Kyle Larson's first one at Sonoma, it was his first top five at Sonoma. So you're meaning to tell me after one race, granted, 
you can make the argument, Kyle Larson, Cliff Daniels, the five team, that they're the best team in the garage area right now. There's no other way around it. But you're meaning to tell me that after one race, that all of a sudden he's the road course king and Chase Elliott isn't? Come on. Come on, man. That is an overreaction in itself. I mean, Chase Elliott, he's won 12 NASCAR Cup Series races, and half of them are road courses. Two at Watkins Glen, two at the Roval, one on the Daytona Road Course, and then just a couple weeks ago, Circuit of the Americas. Until Kyle Larson gets to six road course wins or seven, he's not the new road course king, dude. Come on. And don't get me wrong, I love Kyle Larson. I mean, like I said, this was the guy that I wanted to take over Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s 88 car in 2018 more than anyone. And I guess you could somewhat say, I mean, the five has sort of taken the 88's place at Hendrick Motorsports. But, dude, you know, that's that's almost like someone was debating on Twitter the other day. They were saying, like, oh, who's the real road course king? Is it Tony Stewart? Is it Chase Elliott? It's Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon's won nine road course races. And, and I mean, obviously, Chase is going to shatter that record later this year. But, I mean, really... And this isn't a knock on Chase, but obviously when you have seven road course races on the schedule, of course he's going to demolish that record, you know? So that's just my opinion on it. I, you know, Kyle Larson has to win way more road course races before you christen him as the road course king. But speaking of Jeff Gordon, as I talked about, Adam Stern from the Sports Business Journal it was earlier this week, I believe it was on Tuesday, Adam Stern from the Sports Business Journal said that Jeff Gordon, that tomorrow night, NASCAR on Fox, that this could potentially be his last race on the air. Adam Stern said that Jeff Gordon is weighing his future with Fox Sports after the season per sources, and he could leave the booth to take on a larger role with Hendrick Motorsports. Gordon is enjoying the three-man booth this year, but also finds the prospect of a big role with Hendrick Motorsports as intriguing. There's so many ways to look at this. And I know myself and a lot of people, the one, I guess you could say, the one problem that we've had with Jeff Gordon over the past five years on NASCAR and Fox, he's a great analyst, but obviously you hear that Hendrick bias a lot with Chase Elliott, with Alex Bowman, and obviously this year with Kyle Larson. And I think more than anything, I think that obviously Rick Hendrick is going to be 72 years old one month from today, July 12th. And Rick, he's been through a lot in his life. I mean, the man was diagnosed with leukemia in 1996. Thankfully, it went into remission in 1999. But obviously, his health isn't exactly the best. And of course, the tragedy that he had in 2004 just... Three months after losing his father, Papa Joe, you lose your son, your younger brother, two of your nieces, and so many people that worked for your company all in one day with that plane crash on the way to Martinsville. And Ricky Hendrick was the heir apparent. He was going to be the guy that was going to run Hendrick Motorsports for years and years to come. And ever since then, I think Rick has sort of looked to Jeff Gordon to fill that role. As far as I know, I think Jeff has a 35% ownership stake in Hendrick Motorsports. Don't quote me on that, but that's, that's what I've heard from some people. And obviously, one of the hottest rumors, I mean, we've got so many rumors going on right now. Kurt Busch and 23XI, Colleague Racing, Trackhouse with Justin Marks. They're doing an amazing job, and, and Justin Marks said they want to expand the two teams for 2022. But obviously, as far as new teams for next year. Obviously, the biggest rumor is Junior Motorsports. I mean, what else can you say? Dale Earnhardt Jr. as a NASCAR Cup Series owner, like Sean Rosansky was saying, I mean, that would do so much for the sport. You know, to have your your biggest name in the sport over the past 20 years as an owner in the NASCAR Cup Series. But obviously, there's so many pieces that have to go into place. Driver, crew chief, sponsors, stupid charter rule that we have. Obviously, you would have to acquire one of those. And really one of the only ways for this to happen is if Rick Hendrick gives up his ownership stake in Junior Motorsports because, you know, even though with 23XI, you know, everyone considers it as a fifth Joe Gibbs car, it's considered a fifth Joe Gibbs car because Joe Gibbs doesn't have an ownership stake in it. And I guess 
what's going on is NASCAR is trying to say that if if Junior Motorsports moves up to the Cup Series in 2022, that Rick Hendrick having an ownership stake with Junior Motorsports, that that would sort of be considered a fifth Hendrick Motorsports car. You know, because we've had this rule for 11 years now that teams are only allowed a maximum of four full-time teams. I know they had the, the fifth car, a partial car for a rookie, you know, to run seven races at best, but obviously that went away with the charter agreement. So I was thinking last night, here's a bit of a plot twist. I'm going to say with these rumors about Jeff Gordon leaving NASCAR and Fox to take on a larger role at Hendrick Motorsports, my plot twist is this. Rick Hendrick retires at the end of 2021, goes out as a champion, obviously with Kyle Larson. I mean, let's face it. I think he's definitely the guy to beat for this championship now. I know just a few weeks ago I said Martin Trex Jr. And who knows in a few weeks I could be saying it's Chase Elliott or Denny Hamlin. Who knows? But Rick Hendrick goes out in storybook style as a champion with Kyle Larson. Jeff Gordon takes over Hendrick Motorsports. Rick Hendrick gives up the ownership stake that he has of Junior Motorsports. And that's how Junior Motorsports gets to the Cup Series in 2022. Obviously the great debate. Now with Brad Keselowski sound like he's going to go to Roush, then I would I would have to imagine that that driver for Junior Motorsports that it would probably be either Justin Allgaier or Noah Gregson. That's just my assumption. Obviously, I think you know Dave Ellens. I feel like he's definitely been ready to be a Cup crew chief for a few years now. I thought when Chad Knauss stepped down, I thought he was going to be the one that was going to be William Byron's crew chief this year. But obviously, him and Rudy Fugel, they just have an even even better relationship. So I'm going to say, I mean, that's, that's just what I think could happen. But then again, who knows? So tomorrow, it's All-Star Night at Texas Motor Speedway. But the thing is, 510 horsepower package. Are you friggin' kidding me? Once again... The NASCAR Xfinity Series cars are going to have more horsepower than the Cup cars this weekend. And 510 horsepower, that's how much they've had for the restrictor plate races at Daytona and Talladega this year. And, of course, NASCAR, they made an announcement that same day on Tuesday with all these Jeff Gordon Hendrick rumors that they're going to be cutting out even more speed out of the Cup cars when they get back to Daytona on August 28th and when they go to Talladega on October 3rd. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what is this sport becoming that we're running a restrictor plate package at Texas Motor Speedway for the All-Star Race? What are we becoming that the cup cars, when we get to Daytona and Talladega, are going to have less horsepower than you would have in a streetcar Camaro or a streetcar Mustang? How pathetic is that, honestly? And I know that they're doing this in the interest of safety. But that's, to me, that's not real racing. I get that you want to keep these cars on the ground. And I get that you don't want them to flip over. But, I mean, guys, this, like, it's like Dale Earnhardt. If Dale Earnhardt was here, I could hear himself. This ain't real racing. You know, y'all can call it racing, but that's not real racing to me. I mean, when we get to Daytona in August, what are the cup cars going to have, like 450 horsepower, if that? Not a fan of it. Not a fan of it whatsoever. And I'm just hoping and praying, you know, when they come up out with this rules package for the next-gen car in 2022, got to have more horsepower in these cars. Got to have more horsepower in them. I mean, th- this is this is a joke, honestly. But... Anyway, as I said, all-star night at Texas Motor Speedway. And the other thing that comes to mind is, I mean, Tuesday was a busy day in NASCAR. And Matt Benedetto, what a crazy season that he has had. You know, he got off to a rugged start. I think he was like 38th in points after two races. Then gets a little bit of momentum on his side, you know, with the top fives, fifth at Talladega, fourth at Kansas, almost won, had a shot to win both of those races. And he also got a top 10 at Richmond. So, I mean, he was having a nice string 
three races in a row, ninth at Richmond, fifth at Talladega, you know, leading on the last lap before his teammate Brad Keselowski passed him for the win, and then fourth at Kansas, losing out to Brad for third by just a couple inches. But ever since then, 19th at Darlington, 24th at Dover, 23rd at Coda, 18th in the 600, 23rd at Sonoma. So Team Penske, you know, I mean, they, they won't change Brad Keselowski's pit crew, but they'll make a crew chief change, and they did this past Sunday or this past Tuesday. Greg Irwin, he's no longer the crew chief of the 21 car at the Wood Brothers after he's been since 2018. Worked with Paul Menard, worked with Matt DiBenedetto this past season and a half. Jonathan Hassler is now the new crew chief on the 21 car for Matt DiBenedetto. And Jonathan, you know, he's done two races so far this year. He was Matt Benedetto's crew chief at Martinsville when Greg Irwin was out because of COVID-19, and they finished 12th. And then at Dover on May 16th, Paul Wolf had to miss that race because they had two missing lug nuts on the car after Darlington. And Jonathan, as the interim crew chief that day, Joey Logano finished fifth at Dover. So I, I feel like they definitely got this one right and... I mean, this is definitely a make-or-break season for Matt Benedetto's career when you think of it. But anyway, the All-Star Open, 6 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. Mike Joy, Jeff Gordon, and Clint Boyer with the call. As a matter of fact, I think Jeff Gordon, he won the All-Star Open in 1994, and Clint Boyer won it two years in a row, 2014-2015. So the All-Star Open, it will be 50 laps. And the first two stages, stage two, stage one, lap 20, stage two, lap 40, and then the final stage, 10 laps. And the winner of each stage, they advance to the all-star race, and the driver with the highest total in the fan vote that's not already in, they will get the last spot in the all-star race. So the starting lineup was determined by owner points. Like I said, the all-star open for all the drivers that have not won this year or last. On the pole is the number eight of Tyler Reddick. Starting second is Chris Busher at his home track. Third is Matt Benedetto. Fourth is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Fifth, Ross Chastain. Sixth, Bubba Wallace. Seventh is Daniel Suarez. Eighth is Eric Jones. Two Stuart Haas teammates, Chase Briscoe and Eric Almarola, ninth and tenth. Corey LaJoy in eleventh. Anthony Alfredo, twelfth. Quinn Huff, James Davison, Josh Balicki, Austin Sendrick going to try and make it into the All-Star race. Cody Ware, B.J. McLeod, Justin Moneymaker Haley, Garrett Smithley, Timmy Hill, and David Starr. Those are your 22 drivers for the All-Star Open. So I'm going to say the first two stages. I'm going to say that Tyler Reddick takes stage one, Chris Busher takes stage two, and they transfer into the All-Star Race. Now, as far as the overall victory, this is going to be a bit of a bold prediction. For the overall victory in the All-Star Open, I mean, Matt Benedetto he won this race last year. Daniel Suarez, he won this race, I believe it was in 2017. I'm going to say that Daniel Suarez is the one that wins Stage 3 of the All-Star Open and the overall race to transfer in. So, Tyler Reddick, Chris Buescher... And Daniel Suarez, those are the three drivers that I have transferring into the All-Star race based on how well they perform in the Open. Now, time for the fan vote. Obviously, Jason Boone, you know, he feels like the fan vote is going to go to Bubba Wallace. I mean, we all thought it was going to go to Bubba Wallace last year, and he got wrecked by Michael McDowell in the Open, and sure enough, the fan vote went to one Clint Boyer. Now, Bob Pockris, the voting closed yesterday at noon, the top five in alphabetical order for the fan vote, Chase Briscoe, Matt DiBenedetto, Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez, and Bubba Wallace. Me personally, I think just how strong of a fan base that he has. I'm going to say that Matt DiBenedetto is the one that gets the fan vote and transfers into the All-Star race. Now, as simple as the All-Star Open is, the All-Star Race, you have to be a freaking rocket scientist to understand this format. So 8 o'clock on Fox Sports 1, Mike Joy, three-time All-Star winner Jeff Gordon, 1995, 1997, and 2001, and Clint Boyer, they're going to be providing the call. This is the first time that 
the all-star race is going to be held at Texas Motor Speedway. It was held at Charlotte for many years, 1985, and then from 1987 to 2019. Then it was moved to Bristol last year because the amount of COVID cases in North Carolina had gone up. And this is the first time that we are going to be having it at Texas Motor Speedway. The weird thing is, when it was held at Atlanta in 1986, Bill Elliott won in front of the home crowd. But it was Mother's Day and there wasn't even 10,000 people there. That's why... It was a one-and-done for the All-Star Race in Atlanta. And then last year at Bristol Motor Speedway, Chase Elliott won the All-Star Race. But Chase will be the first to tell you, Texas, even though he got his first NASCAR Nationwide Series win here in 2014, it's not been one of his best tracks lately, ever since they reconfigured it in 2017. 2016, he was great there as a rookie. He finished fourth in both races, but it's been a struggle for him and Alan Gustafson ever since. So it's going to be 100 laps. And the first four stages, they're all 15 laps apiece. Stage five is 30 laps. And then the final stage is 10 laps. But at the beginning of stage two, the field will be inverted through a random draw. It could be a minimum of eight, could be a maximum of 12. Then for stage three, the entire field gets inverted. Then the beginning of round four, the field will be inverted through another random draw, minimum of eight maximum of 12. And then starting positions for the fifth and final stage will consist of the cumulative cumulative finish from stages one through four. The lowest cumulative finisher starts on the pole, second lowest starts second, so on and so forth. All cars must enter pit road for a mandatory four-tire stop during stage five. The starting positions in the final round are set by finishing positions of stage five. Only green flag laps count in the all-star race. Thank God that's the way it always should be every weekend. The fastest team on pit road during the mandatory pit stop will earn $100,000. Obviously, it won't be the two crew. That's that's a given. And I, my bet is going to be either the 11 crew with Denny Hamlin or even Alex Bowman's 48 crew. They've been on fire this year. And then the winner of the All-Star Race will be awarded $1 million. So here is your starting lineup for the 37th NASCAR All-Star Race. I'm going to do this in reverse order, just like they do at Driver Introductions. Starting 17th, after winning the qualifying, after winning the June 2020 race at Talladega last year, it's number 12 of Ryan Blaney. Ryan has always been very, very good at Texas Motor Speedway. Starting 16th is Denny Hamlin. He qualifies after winning the 2020 Daytona 500 last year. And Denny won the All-Star Race in 2015. Starting 15th is Alex Bowman. Alex qualifies after winning the 2020 Cup Race at California Speedway. Starting 14th, Ryan Newman. Ryan has not won in four years, but if you're a past champion of the All-Star Race, you qualify as well. And Ryan did win the Winston in 2002 as a rookie. Starting 13th is the 2010 champion of the All-Star Race, Kurt Busch. Kurt qualifies after winning at his hometown, Las Vegas Motor Speedway, last September. Starting 12th is the 2007 and 2018 winner of the All-Star Race, Kevin Harvick. Kevin qualifies after winning NASCAR's return to Darlington in May of 2020 after the COVID-19 pandemic. Suspended the season for two months. Starting 11th, our 2021 Daytona 500 champion, Michael McDowell. And now we move to the top 10. Starting 10th is the number 19 of Martin Trex Jr. Martin qualifies after winning the Wednesday night race at Martinsville Speedway, June of last year. And starting 9th, another champion that has not won the All-Star race yet. It is the number two Ford of Brad Keselowski. Brad qualifies after winning the 2020 Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte on Memorial Day weekend last year. And Brad said it himself that he really, really wants to get a win at Texas Motor Speedway. He has two Xfinity wins there, November of 2013 and 2015, but never been able to seal the deal in a cup car at Texas Motor Speedway. Finished second there to Jimmy Johnson, November of 2012 and 2015. And second in the All-Star Race in 2016 to his teammate, Joey Logano. And Kurt, I was going to say, Martin Trex Jr., he finished second to Kurt Busch in 2010. Starting eighth is William Byron, Willie B. 
Woo! William qualifies after winning the Daytona race in August of last year, the first win of his career. And starting seventh is Brad Keselowski's best friend, his teammate, the 22 of Joey Logano, 2016 All-Star winner. Joey qualifies after winning the February 2020 race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Starting sixth is the defending champion of the All-Star race, Chase Elliott. He'll be starting sixth. He qualifies after winning the Thursday night race at Charlotte Motor Speedway in May of 2020. Starting fifth is Austin Dillon. And Austin, so Texas Motor Speedway, their only point race this year, it's my birthday weekend, October 17th, the day after my birthday. Their other points race was given to Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. And the last summer race, I guess you could say, for Texas Motor Speedway, July of last year, it was won by Austin Dillon. That's how he qualifies for the All-Star Race. Starting fourth is Cole Custer. Cole won the last cup race at Kentucky Speedway July of last year. That's how he qualifies. Starting third is the number 20 of Christopher Bell, who got his first NASCAR Cup Series win at the Daytona Road Course back in February. And we move to the front row, the Kyle and Kyle show. Starting second in the number 18 is Kyle Busch. And Kyle is the 2017 winner of the All-Star Race. And his lone win last year during that horrendous season that he had was at Texas Motor Speedway in October. Of course, (laughs) that nightmare of a weekend that they had. Start the race on Sunday. Missed all day. Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, they finally finished on Wednesday night in October at Texas Motor Speedway. That was Kyle's only victory of the year, and he was already eliminated from the playoffs, and it was starting to become obvious that him and Adam Stevens were going to go their separate ways after 2020. And to no surprise, on the poll for the 37th edition of the NASCAR All-Star Race at Texas Motor Speedway, our 2019 All-Star winner, the number five of Kyle Larson. Kyle qualified after winning the March race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this year. Obviously, went winless last year after being suspended four races in. And as the late great Benny Parsons once said, bad news for the rest of the competition. Now, Kyle Larson is someone that has grown up racing dirt cars, sprint cars, midgets, quarter midgets, obviously this sort of race, 100 laps, field getting inverted, random draws, this is right in his wheelhouse. And even I think that he's going to win stage one. And even with all of the inversions, there's nothing quite like momentum. Like Jim Harbaugh once said, you've got to go with the hot hand. And for me, this one, I like I said, for I know I, I say all these picks are no-brainers. I'll probably be like Mike Francesa and nobody that I pick ends up winning this weekend. But I got to go with the number five of Kyle Larson. I really, really do. As for Jason Boone, he went with another Hendrick car, and that is the number 24 of William Byron, Willie B. Woo! This is a phenomenal track for William Byron. He won the Camping World Truck Series race here in June of 2016 when he was driving for Kyle Busch. Then in 2017, when he was driving for Dale Earnhardt Jr., got a top five at Texas Motor Speedway just two weeks before he won the NASCAR Xfinity Series Championship. And in the Cup Series, the first top 10 finish of William Byron's career came in April of 2018 at Texas Motor Speedway. And then in 2019, his first season with Chad Knauss as his crew chief, the spring race there, they qualified second. William led some laps, but ultimately had to settle for a sixth-place finish. I mean, this has been an an incredible track for William Byron. It really, really has, no matter if it's been trucks, Xfinity, or the Cup Series. And, hey, speaking of trucks, William Byron, he will be making his return to the Camping World Truck Series next Friday night at Nashville. Is that who I'm going to pick? I don't know. We'll have to find out. I mean, obviously, you're going to have some tough, tough competition with John Hunter Nemechek, with the GMS trucks. So only time will tell. So just to recap, picks for today, the Camping World Truck Series race at 1 o'clock. 
I'm going with the 24 of Chase Elliott. Boone's going with the 4 of John Hunter Nemechek for the Xfinity race later today at 4 o'clock. We're both going with the 54 of Kyle Busch. For tomorrow, the All-Star Open, I am taking Tyler Reddick in Stage 1, Chris Buescher in Stage 2. For the overall victory, Daniel Suarez and Matt Benedetto with the fan vote. And Jason Boone himself, he said that he's going with Bubba Wallace for the fan vote. And for the 37th NASCAR All-Star Race tomorrow night, I'm going with the number five of Kyle Larson. He's going with the 24 of Willie B, William Byron. Woo! So that will do it for episode 65 of Jake's Take. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Episode 66 will be out next Friday previewing NASCAR's return to Nashville. Got the trucks on Friday night. Xfinity on Saturday afternoon, and then Sunday afternoon on Father's Day. For the first time since 1984, there will be a cup race in Nashville, but it's not at the fairgrounds like myself and Dale Earnhardt Jr. were hoping for. It's at Nashville Super Speedway, but hey, Dale Jr., he's been going to all the board meetings in Nashville trying to convince them to, you know, to get the Nashville fairgrounds back on the NASCAR schedule. We're just going to have to wait and see. Have a great weekend. Y'all take it easy.